maybe everyone has their own version of barbarian. Like people spell meow weird in different countries. Yeah, well, not even weird, but like you know, in the U.S., a cat yeah will go meow meow. In Turkey, a cat goes anyachaka anyachaka. <laughs> you know, things like that. Yes, very good. Um, the Persians, I presume. The Persians, okay. Were the the Lydians and the the Lydians, the Medes. Later, they all became sort of the Persians together. Those were the people who were. East. I guess the Phoenicians were there, too. This is the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Kyle. <laughs> I'm Nick. We're we're in a bit of a state right now. Um, Barba 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 Bar is probably the most interesting thing that, that's happened since we started watching the episode uh, and, and finished the episode and anything that's happened since we stopped watching the episode. <laughs> yeah. But what do we do on this show, Kyle? Well, we talk about an episode of The Big Bang Theory, which we are watching in chronological order, trying to figure out what makes the show tick. Who are these people? Who are the people who like these people? What is going on in America? What is life? You know, I I was mentioning to you just before we started uh, watching the episode that I visited my brother over Thanksgiving break. Yes. And uh, saw that he has the entire box set of Big Bang Theory there in his uh, collection of DVDs. And I don't know what to make of it because he's like... He's like a Gen Xer, kind of like a yuppie kind of nerd, but I feel like he is so severe and generally takes himself and his nerddom so seriously. I can't imagine that he would ever enjoy watching anyone like paradising it. Well, I wish you could have asked. I wish you had found the courage within yourself to ask him. I was too busy dealing with like us unveiling deep family secrets that we hadn't revealed to each other yet. Yeah, that is better. Yeah. Um. Man, all right. Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm just here. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to jump into the summary. Leonard and Sheldon's home gets broken into and some of their stuff gets stolen. Then nothing happens for 25 minutes and it's not funny. Now here's our nerd thing of the week. <laughs> That's where oh. Um what? Like so a couple of observations. Like I knew this was going to be a rough one from the very beginning because it starts with like quite possibly the worst cold open that I've seen on this show. Yeah, where they uh, they go to their normal Chinese restaurant, but they haven't been in a long time. And so Sheldon is shocked to see that the menu has been redesigned. Uh, and then after a couple really bad <laughs> lines about whether uh, General So Chicken should be a specialty or a chicken dish, I think it's Sheldon then sees on the, the menu uh, shrimp in mobster sauce. Yes, and the show goes off the fucking rails at this point. They like love some, the idea of mobster sauce. Like they some, can't get enough of it. Someone somewhere in that writer's room took too big a bump of coke right before whoever made the mobster sauce joke. And that and they were like, oh yeah, we got three solid minutes here of jokes about mobster sauce that no one will get tired of. Yeah, it's the pits. And it's like, hey, you know, is it mobster sauce because mobsters love it? Is it mobster sauce because it contains little pieces of mobsters? Oh, maybe it is because then if it were listening to their seafood, there'd be a joke about them sleeping uh, with the fishes. Wooka, wooka, wooka. Yes. Except it's put that over the course of like five minutes. And then, yes. And then they break. I think I've talked about this before, but this is still of all of the things that really just grind glass into my like orifices about this show. They do this thing where they will set up a joke. And even if the joke isn't funny, it's at least a respectable joke. Mm-hmm. And then they explain it immediately. Just taking all pleasure from me out of getting the joke. 
in this case, after arguing about mobster sauce for five minutes, they go, you know, let's, I'm not in the mood for Chinese anymore. Let's go to Corleone's. That was a perfect place to just cut away. Yeah. It's not a great joke. It's, it's a mediocre joke at best, but it's probably the best ending you're going to get to that sequence. Yeah. To which Wallowitz just shits all over it by saying, oh yeah, I'm sure there are no mobsters there. Yeah, it's not a great start. And man, I don't even know how to go about this one because I mean, it's just there's a series of various hijinks that happen, you know, regarding the beefing up of the security and, and Sheldon being afraid and insecure in his own home now. But at the same time, like, there's just, none of it is interesting or fun to discuss. Nope. At least not so far. I don't know. Maybe maybe we can do this. Maybe you know what I want to talk about is something that I don't really have enough experience to to follow through on. I thought it'd be interesting to say, you know what it was like to ever if you've ever had something stolen from you or like your apartment broken into but that's like such a real or scary thing and also so unlikely that it's not really i don't know why i brought it up when i'm saying hey here's something i didn't think would go anywhere someone broke into my home once it was terrifying but like so scary that i don't want to discuss it on the podcast <laughs> oh well there you go see um yeah i guess it makes like it's not like, the way Sheldon reacts, being very freaked out and feeling like he can't sleep in his own home and he has just, like, the slightest case of PTSD, none of that is actually that crazy. It's just no. that there, there's no, no – it's – the you know, I'd almost – so, in, in if they were going to do this, I almost wish they had made this into some kind of weird, like, very special episode. Like, that episode of the French Prin- The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where Will gets shot – Oh man, I don't remember this at all and would love to hear a little bit more about it. <laughs> I don't it's just I don't like I don't remember anything about I'm not even sure I've ever seen the full episode. It's just famously there's a clip on YouTube because something happens Will has some beef with somebody and it ends with him in the hospital having gotten shot and Carlton comes and he's like, "You know, man, I'm going to make this right." And he reveals that he's gone out and bought a gun. And it's like Carlton is Will has to talk Carlton out of going and like revenge shooting someone. I swear to God. I mean, it's so, not very long. It's not like there's a long and complicated debate about it. But it's it, there is literally a scene I think where Carlton is like, "I'm prepared to shoot somebody for you, Will." And Will's like, "No, nah, don't do it, man. Don't do you know, it." You know, what'd be fun is if uh, that happened in this episode, except there was a real bureaucratic snafu because um, earlier on in the episode when the cops come to uh, investigate. You know, Sheldon is frustrated because he's like, oh, when does the CSI team get here? You know, like, oh, you knucklehead, what kind of CSI team do you think we're working with? Nya, 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 nya. Um, and at some point, uh, Sheldon, I mean, Leonard asks if it would be unreasonable to ask the cop to shoot Sheldon. And the cop says, well, no, but I could put him on a 72-hour psychiatric hold if you'd like. And I think it'd be fun if Sheldon tried to buy a gun afterwards, only learned that his gun rights had been, uh, with, like, not withdrawn, but... I'll just say taken away by the government for for having the the mental health check in his background. And then he has to go through some sort of wacky scheme to try to beat the system so he can get a gun so he can feel safe in his home again. Yeah, that would I would love to see Sheldon Cooper at a gun show. That would yeah. be great. And then Wallowitz is having a good time trying to impress Bernadette with it and ends up blasting his own dick off. <laughs> Something fun, you know? <sighs> you know, I have one idea for how to get through the rest of this podcast, this particular it. podcast. Remember that time on Peep Show where they come home and find that their home is in the process of being broken into? Yes. You just want to talk about that instead? <laughs> Same. That's a pretty funny episode of Peep Show. It's pretty. It's way better than this was. <laughs> it's like Mark 
Uh, oh, it, no, I, I think we actually really should talk about this. I have an idea. So say whatever you're going to say, and I think we can time together. I, I, what's uh, I always forget. What's not Jez? It is Mark, right? Mark and Jez? Mark and Jez. Yeah, because Mark comes home and finds this punk holding onto his TV, and one like the few displays of masculinity in his life manages to wrestle the guy to the ground, and then he's convinced that because he has done this in front of a girl he's trying to impress, that is the only thing about him that she respects or likes, so he just keeps trying to up the well, ante. Well, it's not just that. He's also waiting for the cops to arrive, and so right. he's like, I have him. I just have to restrain him for 45 minutes? Yes. <laughs> While also looking tough and badass in front of this girl I'm trying to get to sleep with me, who is, as the episode goes on, clearly less and less comfortable with the whole situation the longer it drags on. Yeah, a little horny about it at first, and then the longer she just has to watch Mark pin this guy and get less and less sure of himself and what he's doing, the more she kind of wants to bail. And then Jez is literally so bored with the whole thing that he's just like, you know what, let's just let the guy go. Let's just let him go. Yeah, well, he's not just so bored, but Jez is characterized by being incredibly woke and so he's like hey man you know i'm sure you had a really hard upbringing and this is just kind of the thing you had to turn to to get your life going to which the young robber is like oh fuck off yeah um but okay so i'm glad you described that because it's such a stark contrast from this episode about being broken and i think it's because in this episode the scary thing happens right at the beginning the most intense thing happens while no one is there to witness it and then there's no, no, there's nothing scarier or at stake for the rest of the episode. It's like Sheldon is jumping at shadows, but I think there needs to be like a real threat that is still like looming if anyone is going to have any sort of interesting thing to do. Because in the Peep Show episode, they have to deal with the burglary as it's happening, and he's trying to impress a lady, and Jez wants to subvert him at every ch- chance because he's just a dick and because he has this whole like intensely misguided social justice angle to him and so all these three things are wrestling at once where in this episode of uh bbt instead you've got um you know they get robbed and from then on they're just kind of like well what the fuck do we do now we got 20 more minutes to kill yeah and there's nothing there's nothing interesting that happens not only that i mean you're absolutely right that's a much better uh, analysis than i could have given about the difference between them but um also did the Big Bang Theory just give up on B-plots? Were they just like, we're just not doing it yeah, for a while? No, I was, I was, so to prepare for the recording, like I try to keep track of when the plots diverge um, so I can, you know, s- summarize it pretty easily. Uh, and I was waiting for that moment. And after like 15 minutes, gave up because I realized there was just nothing else going on. I, for a second, I thought it was going to happen. When Raj and Wallowitz show up to um, help beef up their security system for the apartment, then I'm like, okay, now something wacky's going to happen. And instead, it's like, oh, they, they installed a working security system. Like yes. that's it does exactly what they expect it to, and everything's fine. It's almost like they were on like partial vacation the week this was being shot because they're just not like they just disappear from this episode. Mm-hmm. And instead, we just occasionally like cut back and forth between Penny and Leonard and Sheldon, but they're all in the same plot. So it's like, yeah, um, they do this episode confirm that everyone lives in Pasadena. Yes. Which we suspected for a while, but was never sure about. And so then there's all these kind of like flat jokes about how how is Sheldon ever going to survive? How can he ever feel safe again in the mean streets of Pasadena? Which, for those who don't live around here, I'm pretty sure is a pretty sleepy, affluent, older population neighborhood. I have no. I mean, I'm sure if you, the I'm I'm sure if you went on next door, they'd tell you that it's swarming in in oh. crime and and homeless oh, people who door. are just. But you know, I 
have you ever used Nextdoor? I, I am the Jez of Nextdoor because I remember once someone saying, like, I saw this guy uh, who was at my neighbor's house and he looked like he was starting a fire that was catching my neighbor's fence on fire. <laughs> and, like, I think a good neighbor would do something about that, but I was on the app and I was like, and what the fuck business of that is yours? Let a man light a fire where he wants. Come on. He's had it enough. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, next door. The how you can know that everyone around you is a racist app. Yeah, well, racist. Just it's really funny. All of the people who live in my neighborhood, who I'm sure consider themselves incredibly like woke, progressive people, who would put all the homeless in a concentration camp and gas them, just like unironically. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that grosses me out and is sad. It is sad. See, here in central LA, we embrace our homeless population where everything is fine until occasionally the cops just come and round them up yeah, and clear them out them and throw away s- all yeah, of their valuables. You let them set up tents on the divider between the two lanes of traffic. That's Which is pretty- the worst! Like, that's a thing where I'd want to go in and be like, just buddy, please, like, sleep literally anywhere else so you don't die! Yeah, he's, he's Tom Hanks in it. He's got his little island. He's master of his domain. Yeah, I'm sure he feels just like Tom Hanks. I'm sure he's just as happy to be America's dad while he's sleeping literally in the middle of traffic. Specifically Tom Hanks in Castaway. Don't act like you didn't get my reference. I was thinking some sort of Joe versus the volcano thing for some reason. Oh, well, I guess that also works. Uh, a movie I've never seen, and so I just made a lot of assumptions about to get through the bit. Same. Cool, 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 cool. Oh, man. I don't know. Like, what else? Uh... <laughs> ah! <laughs> This may be the one that breaks us, folks. We're doing our best here, but... Um, I mean, it's not, like, an offensively bad episode. It's not like any... It's just... No, it's just... A, it's such a wet fart. <laughs> no, because wet farts are... I mean, they're gross, but they're still occasionally funny. That's true. If someone does it around you, you're like, ugh. <laughs> and this one is kind of like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, even the part... Like, at one point, Sheldon climbs out on a roof. You'd think that would... Like, that was the exact point where I turned... Sheldon and I was like, "How is this still not funny?" Sheldon gets electrocuted by a net that falls from the ceiling, and it's not interesting. <laughs> like, how does how do you, it's impressive that you can pull that off? You can electrocute just about anybody, and it's gonna be funny. But well, somehow, because they don't show it. That's they it. do show it though, Kyle. They don't show the net falling, but they show Sheldon on the ground spasming, trying to speak as he's underneath this net, and it's not fucking funny. <laughs> This is like a feat. Like this isn't something that you can do on accident. Is... I, I keep for, like I saw when I was looking up the name of this episode, which I guess we should also just mention. Um, they're all directed by like I think his market name is yeah Mark Sandrowski, and I'm just wondering if he had one day where he was like, I can do this. I can get paid three million dollars without ex- eliciting a single laugh from a cast up, from from an audience member. Okay, let's see. Where are we? The Bozeman reaction, which I guess is a loose reference to their little Pictionary game about the 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 boson. I can't remember the the boson particle. Higgs boson particle. There. Well, yes. Or <laughs> so I just want to. There's nothing wrong with Nick's poll was quite impressive that he remembered that. It's just funny 
because it's definitely a reference to the last 10 minutes of the show where Sheldon goes to Bozeman, Montana, and Nick totally but, but, forgot no, but about like, it. But, like, Bozeman, Bozon, I think. Otherwise, I mean, I know that he goes to Bozeman, Montana. Okay, I thought you had but... somehow, like, blocked, <laughs> like, you had all, like, this this episode was so mediocre that you had already forgotten, like, five, See, the last five minutes of it. I think I'm trying harder to tie the name of the episode into the episode than it actually is intended to be. I mean, this is a game I play with myself all the time, so. Okay. I always do this. I'm guilty of it. I'm not going to give you a hard time Which, for it. Yeah, that is ultimately what happens in the episode is Sheldon realizes that he can never feel safe, as we say, in the crime-ridden streets of Pasadena. And so he decides he has to move somewhere else that is safer yet meets his basic needs. And so he has a map next to him of all the places he, of the United States and is scratching off pieces based on what, like, there's one, the one joke that they have is, I can't remember where he's thinking moving to, and he's like, hmm, high-speed internet. Mm, excellent selection of museums. Oh, no model train stores. Can't move there. It was Enid, Oklahoma. Enid, Oklahoma. Um, and so he does eventually decide that uh, the place that he wants to move to, which apparently is the safest and smallest and most comfortable, is Bozeman, Montana, which is about an hour and a half from where I grew up. Um, and as far as Montana goes, is a big city. <laughs> yeah. And I was born in Oklahoma City, but my grandma, when we would visit her, she lived in Enid. So my dad grew up in Enid, Oklahoma. So And Kyle and I both this did is that weird. thing where we were so excited about a geographical location that was near and dear to us that we high-fived and banged our dicks together. So that was interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, that happens so often. I'm surprised you feel still feel the need to mention it at this point. It is weird. You know, I was actually thinking it was weird that they chose Bozeman because, like I said, as far as Montana goes, Bozeman is like fairly metropolitan like i don't know why he wouldn't have tried moving to two dot and just These, figured it oh out. yeah because the writers of this episode definitely put that much thought into which part of montana they were going to send sheldon to they definitely didn't just go hey what's a state that's kind of in the middle of nowhere montana who knows in the name of a city in montana bozeman done that's true that's true no offense i'm sorry i don't this too much coffee, and also this episode was really boring, and I'm getting, I'm coming around, like, yeah, to, like, the angry, I'm starting to get angrier about it the longer we talk about it. I like how the coffee heats you up and gets you, you wired for anger. The coffee instead chills me out and immediately gives me diarrhea. That's, yes. Oh, boy. I don't know. I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I just want to get to our fun nerd thing. Is it too soon to get to our fun nerd thing? Nah, f- fuck it. Fuck it. All right. I don't want to drag it out. This episode sucked. We <laughs> talked about what we could. Hey, if you want to listen to more of this, <laughs> we tell your friends about it. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on all the things. BBTTpodcast.com. Yada, yada. Here's our fun nerd things of the week that we recommend when we're not busy watching a show that neither of us like. And we continue to do this for reasons that are completely inexplicable. Cal, uh, you want to go first or shall I? After you. Okay, um, I'm going to recommend a TV show that I think is still currently running um, in, in its second season, and it is called Dream Corp LLC, oh. and let me tell you, it's one of those, it's one of those wacky, irreverent adult swim shows, uh, and, I, and I like it because every episode I imagine is what it's like to wake up from a seizure <laughs> where you're really not sure what's going on around you, but you know something upsetting just happened and everyone's looking at you strange for it. Um, it's that's a very poetic description of a television show. Well, I'm a I pretty like poetic it. guy. Yeah, yeah you no, should be. A, you should write TV reviews. I, I, I like I, that. I should write literally anything. Um, and yet I do not. I, you know, 
You know what I do write? My I so I'm 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 working a, a job right now where I'm doing intake for a big lawsuit, and I just have to ask people about racist encounters they've had. And so I spend a lot of the time <laughs> describing stories of frustrating modern racism and whether to spell out or use asterisks when I spell racial slurs. That's a really big part of my job right now. <laughs> but that's not what Dream Corp LLC is all about. Um I mean, the basic premise of the show is that there's kind of a mad doctor operating out of a strip mall who, um, well, not a strip mall, more of like an old abandoned warehouse. Uh, and he patients come in to have any number of mental health ailments cured by him entering their dreams with them and trying to uh, really get to whatever the root of the problem is and, and resolve it uh, while the person's asleep. Uh, and so deep-seated psychological issues can be reasoned through, um, except it's all fucking insane. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I just like all the weird little details about it. Like uh, the the doctor, his name is Dr. Roberts. He um, jacks into this machine he uses to look into their dreams. And the way he does it is he has USB ports in each of his ha- that he installed in each of his hands which have these, like, giant red, like, clearly infected mounds of flesh surrounding them. Um, and how their nurse is just a drug addict who's constantly high and, like, instead of, like, you know, using gas or whatever to uh, sedate people, will just run in with a rag covered in chloroform that he shoves over their mouth. Like, all sorts of things like that. Um, and it's it's fun. It's kind of too random to describe a through line. I don't know if the, if the series honestly really has a through line other than... Uh, the, the the everyman character who kind of gets wrapped into the whole mess, uh, Patient 88, they don't use names. He's just Patient 88. Uh, it, it, the, the show occasionally tries to address him and his lack of confidence and erectile dysfunction. Um, but that's uh, about it. So I'm not going to drag it out. I think the show is really great. Recommend it. Yeah. Dream Corp LLC. What's, what's your thing for the week, Kyle? Oh, I just wanted to say, um, your show sounds great. There was also a comic book character. There are actually several comic book characters who have the power to enter dreams. Um, Nightmask, I think, was the one who would, he was like just a superhero who would try to enter people's dreams and help them. But actually, the very first issue of Doctor Strange ever mm. um, starts with him. Uh, you know, a guy comes to him because he's having terrible nightmares and Doctor Strange goes into his mind and battles Nightmare, the Lord of Bad Dreams, which is actually the inspiration for uh, Morpheus and the Sandman. Ooh, pretty rad. So that's a fun little uh, a fun little fact to pad the time out a little bit. And as long as we're you on the... There's no need to pad the time. I mean, these episodes, the more... Th- I want a tightly run ship, Kyle. You tell me what you need me to know and then we move on and close it down. <laughs> Okay. Well, speaking of comic books, I'm going to recommend a comic book series that just wrapped up this week that is just fantastic. It's another, it's me going on and on about how much I love Tom King again. So as the diehard fans of the show are probably sick of, Tom King is a great comic book writer. Um, he, I feel like this is maybe the second time you've ever mentioned him on the show. <laughs> still, I'm self-conscious about it. Um so he wrote, he's been writing Batman forever and his Batman stories are pretty good and he's written a bunch of other stuff. But uh, he recently fi- did a 12 issue, ser- maybe it's only six. Yeah, I, that's right. He did a six issue series on Superman called Superman Up in the Sky. And the premise is basically, it's basically just like a love letter to like, here's why Superman is awesome and why he's great and everyone should love him. 
and it's uh it's basically um it's a little bit like all-star superman in that regard where it's just like instead of like um worry instead of like doing the stuff they normally do where they like try to balance out his power sets or show that he's you know capable of losing a fight or whatever they're just like nope we're just going to embrace the fact that superman's good at everything and then just like dial it all up to 11 and so every issue is actually two stories back to back about superman doing some impossible thing but they're all the through line is they're all in pursuit of basically this uh little girl in a foster home gets kidnapped by aliens and taken to the opposite end of the galaxy and nobody can like find her or go get her um and so superman decides that he's going to leave earth which is actually kind of a big deal that they address because basically like you know that's kind of his full-time job so right so he's like nope even though it might mean earth is vulnerable or lois gets killed i'm going to leave earth and travel like across the galaxy facing innumerable and unimaginable hardships just to rescue this one little girl which is sort of like the whole like heart of the thing which is just like yes superman is basically like a god who actually cares about human beings and will you know do anything for them um but it's just, it's incredibly well written, and every single issue just, like, has one or two moments that, like, make you want to cry. Um, you know, because he just, he never gives up, and he's always, like, being super nice to everyone, but always being, like, super badass and just, like, not giving up. Nice. And so, like, you know, there's an issue where he boxes a guy in, like, 300 times Earth's gravity and just refuses to stay knocked down. There's another one where... uh he meets, he travels back in time and meets Sergeant Rock from World War Two, and they talk about, <laughs> you know, he talks about how he's always admired the greatest generation back when they fought Nazis. Uh, probably the best issue is he gets hit by a beam which splits him between Superman and Clark Kent, and they actually talk to each other. But, uh, yeah, it is easily my favorite Superman comic to come out this decade. Probably the best, like, straight love letter to Superman since All-Star Superman, which was Grant Morrison Ooh, yes. sort of tackling very similar territory. Um, so I would recommend it to anyone, anyone who's, anyone who's like cynical and like, I love Batman, but Superman can suck it, you know, might at least try this to see if it can change their mind. Uh, I just want to say about all-star Superman. Um, I really only remember like one panel or like one, one page from that whole book as much as I loved it. And it's just cause the line I thought was so hilarious where, uh, Superman is going to some sort of underground pathway that Lex Luthor had made and like, he he meets up with Lex Luthor's uh, niece, and she's like, "Hi, I'm Anastasia. You can just call me Nasty." And that I don't know why, like, warms my heart so much. Just this random character who's there for like two panels. And that's funny, just to tell you that her name is Nasty. I was sure it was <laughs> going to be the panel with like where he talks the girl from jumping off the roof, but no, you. That's that's a good one too. <laughs> I just I just love someone that's you know she she serves her purpose. She comes and goes as quickly as she needs to. Uh, one I mean, fun, one funny line. That's it, all I wanted. That's, that's fair. My favorite joke in that, um, which is kind of the payoff to the whole thing, but I'm fuck it. Uh, people should read it, whether I spoil it. Is is uh, Superman telling Lex Luthor? It's like I always tell you, Lex. Brain beats brawn every time. <laughs> which is just it, that's like the closest he comes to like giving someone the middle finger. I like it. I'm also gonna recommend All Star Batman. <laughs> Oh no! As long as oh we're... no! Now we're now we're <laughs> off the rails. Well, you mean like All Star Batman and Robin? Like you mean I'm the goddamn Batman? Batman? <laughs> That's exactly what I mean. The I'm gonna stab the Green Lantern in the throat with a screwdriver. <laughs> the I'm gonna 
fuck Black Canary on the wharf that I just doused in napalm while all the criminals like writhe and on fire around me because I've just committed a war crime. Tell me, Kyle, was there ever another All Star collection after that one, <laughs> or, oh. or did or did Frank Miller maybe do a bad? <laughs> No. Well, actually, yeah, I do think, yeah, that was the, they rebooted the line. After that, they called them all like, uh, like Earth One was the new, like, yeah. <laughs> all oh, right. Man. DreamCorp LLC. It's not uh, even, it's, I said napalm. It, I think it's white phosphorus. I think he literally, like, like, uses, like, the stuff that's outlawed and, like, fucking by the Geneva Convention on a bunch of criminals and then proceeds to have sex while their bodies are frying. Oh, man. I'm also going to recommend Holy Terror. <laughs> <laughs> another, another Frank Miller classic. <laughs>